Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. Good Saturday morning to you. It is 4th of July weekend. It is Drive Time Radio. I am New York Vinny, and I'm so happy that you are along for the ride with us, Nathan and I, as we uh, go through an hour of automobilia here on uh, our little radio show that we do every Saturday morning from 8 to 9, where we review cars, tell you about things that are happening in the car world, uh, give you some funny stories or, or stuff like that. Also, a cartoon. I mean, you know, if nothing else out of this whole show, you do get three or four minutes of, uh, of a beautiful tune about cars to listen to on a Saturday morning. And, I mean, I think that's worth everything you pay for. Recording in progress. Thank you. It doesn't start until a lady says that. Um, everything that you pay for on this show. But uh, thank you so much for being here. I hope you're doing something happy and fun and good and family-like for 4th of July. And that you do it safely. A lot of people not traveling, not traveling this year or going short distances. Even though gasoline has dropped, the price of gasoline, I should say, um, still... It's prohibiting some people from getting in their car and going places. Although I will at the AAA expects this to be like one of the biggest automotive weekends ever. So that tells me that there's a lot of cars in the, in the world and that people are saying, well, you know what? I'll, I'll spend a little bit out of the savings account to uh, take my family to Wally World or wherever you're going to take the family this weekend. I mean, po- the, the thing here is that the destinations have shortened. So the, uh, you know, the weekend that you might have taken to go down to, um, what's the big water slide park, uh, you know, going down I-5, not Wild Waves, but that's the one you would go to instead of maybe going all the way down to that uh, that big place down by, uh, almost by Centralia there. Uh, uh, by the, the shopping malls and everything, the Grand Lodge or something like that. I've never been in it, but I've seen it. It looks like a lot of fun. It's indoors, which, you know, is perfect for, of course, um, you got to have an indoor um, park, but, you know, Wild Waves uh, does it outdoors and they do it fine. But that that's kind of the difference of what people are doing instead of, uh, you know, the big long trip over to Spokane uh, to, to go to uh, an event over there, people may say, you know what, maybe uh, kids, it's time you saw what Soap Lake looks like or uh, the Grand Coulee Dam, which actually I think is a very cool place to go. Uh, on, on my list of, you know, road trips in state of Washington, which, you know, we should really actually do that is uh, kind of break out the, the list of, uh, uh, I call them the Sunday drives, you know, the, uh, the, the trips that you can take in one day. Uh, right now they would be valuable. Of course, I'm talking about to see things, you know, to go someplace and see something, or maybe it's, um, instead of a long trip down to, uh, Oregon somewhere. It's a, maybe a shorter trip up to uh, the Chinook Pass uh, or like that, you know, so that you're you're cutting down on your driving. And I don't know if that's a bad thing or not, to be honest with you. I think you could do worse than having a day where, you, you know, a weekend where you spend less time in a car and more time uh, at a place with your family, but that's, you know, personal preference, but uh, the gas prices have dropped a little bit, not a lot. They're still not under $5 uh, here in Seattle. And it's in, I don't know what it is. I saw somebody post something on Facebook. Uh, I want to say like yesterday, the day before, and it was down to, um, 
they, they posted a thing of 463. And my eyes opened up. And wow, 463. Where are you? And then I leaned in a little closer and noticed that there was over the gas price sign, there was a sign that said Dunkin' Donuts. And we don't have Dunkin' Donuts up here, which I think is a terrible loss. But we don't have Dunkin' up here. So I knew it was it was actually someplace back east uh, in, I think, Ohio or something like that. So, you know, that, so that's, I think that's on a lot of people's minds. Uh, on the traveling this week. Now, of, of course, if you are coming through Seattle, don't. Do yourself a favor. If you can avoid coming through Seattle on I-5, um, don't. You know, go some other way. Uh, the Department of Transportation, and listen, I know people do doing it this weekend. They get the ball game. You have the uh, so many going on in Seattle. And, uh, you know, why would you close I-5 and just move all the traffic over to the uh, collector lanes? But the work needs to be done. Sorry, I have to lubricate a little bit. I have a short throat. The work has to be done, so they do it. So, I, you know, usually I get on at Department of Transportation, WASDOT, but listen, they do such a great job uh, that it's, uh, I, I think we have to kind of cut them a little bit of slack here. And transportation, you know, it's funny. We, we have the only baseball park in the country. Let me see if I got this right. I may screw this up, but I'm going to try to get it right. We have the only baseball park in the country that is served by, within like a couple of blocks, bus, light rail, heavy rail, um, streetcar, and there's another one. But there's five factors that Safeco Field has, excuse me, T-Mobile Park has that no other ballpark in America has, but yet we fill the parking lots all the time. So, you, you know, might be the weekend if you are saying, well, I'm going to go to, uh, I'm going to go to, to, uh, uh, to T-Mobile Park. I'm going to catch a Mariners game. They got a day game today. What a beautiful day to go sit in the ballpark. Um, you know, if you're coming from the north, drive your car to Northgate, park it uh, somewhere around there, and jump on the light rail and take it down to the ballpark. It only stops a block or so from the ballpark. It's not a far walk uh, to go over there. And consequently, the other way, if you're coming from the south, you know, park in Federal Way or something like that. And, uh, you know, take public transportation take the oh i guess you can't take it from federal way what's that uh the the lake just south of the airport angle lake thank you thank thank you nathan angle lake you can you can go there take it from there and pretty soon you'll be able to take it from the east side uh someday in our lifetime i believe uh they're gonna get that thing finished you'll be taken from there and, and you know what i love taking public transportation to the ballpark I, I really do. I had such great memories of taking a seven train to Shea Stadium when I was a kid. And everybody on a train would be singing Meet the Mets and everybody's dressed like you. And, you, you know, you got the, you, you know, everybody's going toward a common place, the ballpark. And and sharing, I mean, it's, it, 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 I mean, it's kind of hokey, I guess, but it's a you're having that shared experience with other people. And I know today's a little different. Maybe you don't talk to people on public transportation. Maybe you leave the guy over in the corner alone that's uh, deciding to uh, smoke his uh, fentanyl or whatever it is that they're smoking on the trains these days. But I believe they put extra security on those trains. And uh, if somebody's acting out of order, they're gone in pretty good order. So that's an idea to think about. If you're coming into Seattle today, you're going to come in downtown, you're, or you're, you know, you're, um, you're going to the ballpark, to the museum, uh, the waterfront, anything like that. Take public transportation because I-5 is going to be 
a mess. And it really is, uh, you know, you take 405, but that gets jammed up because everybody else is taking 405 to go around because it's a hope. Go north. Go, you know what? Go see your cousins in Canada. By the way, happy Canada Day to all our friends in Canada. Uh, my former producer, uh, Jeremy Grader, now lives up in Canada with his lovely wife and children. And uh, for Canada Day, they took a trip to the United States. <laughs> hey, you know. What are you going to do? Sometimes you get homesick. Uh, but yeah, but they've been up there and they enjoy it. And um, I love going to Canada. I haven't been in a while because of COVID. But, you know, it's a nice, uh, nice place to uh, to go and to uh, hang out and, and you know, and, and enjoy yourself. But I digress. As my sister would say, we are talking about is... Uh, it is a uh, uniquely American holiday, 4th of July, the an Independence Day. We need to keep that name in mind. Independence is uh, what we celebrate today, and, and hopefully the fact that we will never lose that. And part of that, such a big part of the story of this country's independence is the automobile. And I think on some levels... There are people who are um, afraid, fearful, uh, wondering what the future of automobiles, because um, they're going to be electric. Uh, there's a lot of talk about them being autonomous, uh, that you won't, that you'll get into a car and you won't have control. You'll have control, you'll set a destination, but you won't have control. You know, it'll drive itself and you won't. And you're sitting there and, and you know, doing, uh, I don't know, whatever it is you're doing on your way to work. And it's going to take away a piece of that independent spirit that allowed you for so many years to get in your car and drive west or drive east and go out and see things that maybe you wouldn't have seen before. Or instead of flying over, you drive through and you see things and it makes you feel like you're um, like you have that street that the pioneers had in them where they could get near covered wagons and, you know, go out west and discover things and make new lives for themselves. I think the car uh, and automotive does that for you and gives you that kind of feeling. You know, I, I, you know, if you're stuck in your apartment in the city, maybe not. But still, the option is that you get in that thing, you fill it up with gasoline um, and you go. And when you run out of gas, you fill it up with more gasoline and you go. And that's the American independent independence story in the, in the 20th century. And now we'll have to see how it changes in the first, the first um, 22 years of the 21st century have been interesting in, in automotive. I think we're in a time, as I say often, really parallels back to where we were in the early 1900s when there were a ton of car makers around and the gasoline engine was new and people were struggling to figure out, is it going to be gasoline? Is it going to be diesel? Is it going to be uh, grain alcohol? Uh, you know, which they preferred down south, I understand. Um, and in parts of Puyallup. And, you know, all of the things that, that had to be figured out, sorted out, so we could make our, our, uh, our automobiles, our newfound mobility, work for the largest amount of people. That was, that was the idea. And, of course, who could make a buck at it? You know, the oil companies are sitting, you know, John D. Rockefeller uh, with Standard Oil wasn't saying, you know, gee, I, I want to find what's best for people. I wanna, he was saying, I want to find out what's, um, what's going to make me the most money. <clears throat> I could sell kerosene for, can for lamps to people, but, you know, this guy Edison and this other guy, uh, uh, Tesla and Westinghouse, General Electric, they're coming up with all this electric stuff. That's not going to be good for me and my lamp oil. So I better figure out another thing to do with the oil. And uh, so therefore you had gasoline, um, which was a throwaway product from, um, 
from oil. It was something that they threw away because it was too flammable. But as you learn, if you, um, you know, if you believe in love, uh, somewhere there's a someone for everyone. And uh, gasoline was the perfect someone for the internal combustion engine. They matched up, boom, and you have the automobile and all that goes with it. A couple other things that are going on. I know a lot of people this weekend taking their cars out and uh, going to go in the, the parking lot, you know, because the parking lot is a very American tradition. Nowhere else in this world do we um, use so much of a percentage of space in our country to put cars, store cars. Most countries, uh, you look around and it's not that percentage of um, land dedicated to parking automobiles. I don't know where they put them, but they don't put them in huge parking lots in most places. There are exceptions, of course, probably Australia. You got a lot of land you're not using in Australia. Quickly, we'll go through this. I, uh, I was talking about the top 10 uh, parking lots in America. Let me just give you the top five. Uh, because I think there it's it's an interesting thing, especially on this day where we're all going to be going to parking, looking for parking. But the top five capacity parking uh, lots in America, NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas is number five. This one shocked me a little bit. MetLife Stadium in the America Dream Mall in uh, Meadowlands, New Jersey. The Bristol Motor Speedway in Bristol, Tennessee. That thing is huge. And they're not even counting all the camping places that are around it. Uh, the Auto Club Speedway in Fontana, California, is the number two. And uh, Nathan, do you want to guess where the uh, largest um, parking lot in America is? Largest parking lot. So not parking garage or is it including parking garages? No, not garages, just the parking not lot. Just the garage. Lot, no parking okay. structure. I'm going to have to say, oh, that's a good one. Probably somewhere in the Salt Flats. Well, you, you, you're kind of in the neighborhood. Um, not exactly, but you're kind of in the neighborhood. How about State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona? Um, not too far from Peoria. If you go up well, the 101 there, the Loop 101, you pass it all the time. It's where the Cardinals play. And there's a few other facilities there in between the Cardinals. And they have a outlet mall thing going on there and a, a bunch of other stuff. But the parking lot holds the, uh, the most capacity, has the largest capacity in America. Um, you know, believe it or not, the largest parking structure in America is at SeaTac Airport. From uh, from what I've researched, it, it is uh, it's at SeaTac Airport, so that's kind of kind of interesting. All right, um, Nathan, while I got you, do you want to ask me a question? Yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? Oh yes, I'm driving. Oh. I, I can't believe I'm, uh, you know, what am I driving this week? Took me a second, uh, but I am driving the Genesis G80 Sport. So that's uh, the, uh, the the sports sedan from Genesis. Now, I've been impressed with all of the Genesis cars that I have driven. And uh, anything that comes from, matter of fact, I'm pretty impressed with almost anything that comes from Hyundai or Kia, for that matter, you know, both really the same company. Um, but just an incredible, uh, vehicle, luxury vehicle. I mean, from soup to nuts, from, uh, the egress to, into the car, out of the car, uh, the, um, styling touches, the class that the car is put together with, uh, the materials that are used, all of the stuff that you, uh, that you look for when you spend, you know, it's not like a hundred thousand dollar luxury car, but it feels like it's worth a lot more than the 72,000 bucks that it costs. And the interesting thing about this car is it has, we've talked about parking lots before, 
This thing has the four-wheel steering. So, you know, when, you, when you're trying to get into a tight space, the rear wheels will, you know, steer into the space. And it's pretty cool. Except the only problem is, is you know, you're trying to look for the rear wheels um, moving, and you can't really see it. They don't turn so much that, you know, the end of the wheel tire is sticking out of the, the fender well or anything. But I'm going to, uh, over the next couple of days, set up my camera uh, so that we can actually watch the wheels, the rear wheels move. It, it won't do the, or at least I haven't tried to uh, do the crab walk yet like the uh, Hummer does. Uh, you know, the, the new electric Hummer where you can move it, you know, like you can almost do like a little boogie with it. Um, it, it, it um, not quite there yet, but we'll see as it progresses. But it's it's a beautiful car, as I said, around 72,000 bucks. I've enjoyed it immensely so far. And it um, it's really, uh, you know, if you're in that the market for that type of car, it is certainly a car that you should put on your list, I would think. And we'll have the full review next week and a full review of the car that we had last week, the Audi A6 All-Road Quattro coming up a little bit later in the show. He's excited because he just saw the new Ford Falcon. Well, everyone who has seen the 1961 Falcon is excited. But I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I don't believe we've met. Excuse me, Pigpen. Hello, Pigpen. I'm very glad to know you. Well, since Pigpen hasn't seen the Falcon yet, let's show it to him right now. This year, the Falcon gives you more power, more luxury, more comfort for six people, more of everything that has made it the world's most successful new car. It must be pretty embarrassing for the other compact cars to realize how they missed the boat. And you can now select from two engines, the regular Falcon engine, famous for mileage, and the new, more powerful Falcon 170 Special. You get a choice of engines? That's right. You have to admire the generosity. You also have to admire the Falcon's economy. It goes up to 30 miles on a gallon of gasoline. 30 miles is quite a distance. Especially when you compare it with what the others give you. And it goes 4,000 miles between oil changes. 4,000 miles? That's virtually beyond comprehension. Oh, and that reminds me. The Falcon's diamond luster finish never needs waxing. And yet, with all these exclusive features, the Falcon is still low, low in price. No other compact car offers this all-around economy. I must say, I'm very impressed. I'm sure the 61 Falcon will rank high in favor with the buying public. Thank you. Now you know why everyone's excited about the Falcon. Me too. The 1961 Falcon. The car no other compact can measure up to. This overheated radiator shouldn't have happened. Or this street windshield in the rain. Or this dead battery here. Shouldn't somebody check those things for you every time? Your Texaco dealer does. That's his promise. Your Texaco dealer not only promises to check the things everyone ought to, he'll double-check, too. He'll check your battery. Double-check the battery cables. Check your oil. Double-check the fan belt. Check your radiator. Double-check the radiator cap. Clean your windshield. And double-check the wiper blades. What's more, your Texaco dealer's service and courtesy includes a smile and a thank you. That's his promise. You can trust your car to the man who wears the star. The big, bright Texaco star. Get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Back with you on Drive Time Radio here on a Fourth of July weekend, Saturday morning. Calm down if you're out there. I know the uh, collector lanes are kind of all screwed up and I five going. So I don't know why Wasdot decides to always fix I five on Fourth of July weekend when the Mariners are in town. When there's all this stuff going on, they figure that that's the best time to close the freeway. 
Go figure. I'm sure somebody will be able to explain it to me someday. Anyway, if you're going down that way, be careful. Use an alternate route. Use 99. Go around 405. Do what you got to do. All right, we get a chance now to spend a few minutes with uh, a good friend and uh, one of the uh, preeminent automotive journalists in America, I would say. I'm going to give you that title. Is that okay, Jill Simonello? I will totally take it. I don't know that I've earned it yet, but I'll take it anyway. Hey, listen, <laughs> this is America. You don't have to earn it before you take it these days. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, pickup truck and SUV talk. She is the managing editor. Also, a new title recently added. One of the judges of the North American Car of the Year or NACTOY. Congratulations, Jill. That's in our business and what we do. That's quite an honor. You know, it, it really is. I am um, incredibly honored and humbled to, um, to have been elected um, to the, the jury. Um, there are 50 automotive journalists in Canada and um, the United States that, that make the jury and um, somebody has to resign or leave the jury to be able to put somebody else on. So um, Frank uh, Ockefer, who was a longtime juror, um, just retired this year and that opened up a spot and I was I was elected in. Awesome. Awesome. And just for people in North America uh, that, don't, that aren't familiar with the North American Car of the Year, the judging starts. Toward the, uh, toward the end of the year, if I'm not mistaken. And then you usually have it ready for the Detroit Auto Show, but that show has moved, so it, it now stands kind of on itself, right, individually? Yeah, yeah. So typically what happens is at the beginning of every year, um, the board goes through and they find like every significantly redesigned, updated vehicle, like cars, utility vehicles, and trucks. Um, for a specific model year. And so they prepare a list. And I want to say it's probably like between 45 and 50 vehicles every year. And then, um, you know, the, the jurors try to drive and evaluate the vehicles. And then um, I feel like, and I'm new, so it literally yeah. just this week elected. <laughs> um, so I'm still wrapping my mind around the processes and things like that. But I believe like starting in um, September, there's like a first round of voting and then you go through a second round of voting and then there's like a third round of voting, but they, they kind of whittle it down until you get like three finalists in each category. And then in January, I believe it's going to be like January 11th. Um, there's an announcement that happens and it did used to be like the first press conference of the first media day on, you know, at the Detroit auto show. Um, but since the Detroit Auto Show is no more, they are, in fact, um, doing a standalone announcement um, that is not tied to the show. Well, good luck with that. Congratulations <laughs> again. Uh, good, I don't think they could have made a better choice, but that's just because I like it. I'm sure there's a few other people <laughs> that just going, oh, why don't they ever pick me for this? I heard there's free food if this thing, you know. <laughs> I don't know that there's any free food involved, but uh, I, I'll probably, you know, for me, I bring a lot of RX bars and things like that to events. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll send you a couple box of Twinkies. How's that? Uh, I, I don't know that I would eat the Twinkies, but um, I, I'll give them my husband. How's that? Yeah, you give it this <laughs> All right, let's let's move over to talk a little bit about. There's a lot of action going on in the pickup truck world, and of course, it's July Fourth. Pickup trucks are so uniquely American. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, uh, you know, it's it, it's it's our gift to the rest of the world uh, right now, and um, we sell more pickup trucks in this country than than cars now, and cars seem to be fading. Uh, you know, somewhere, somehow, it's either an SUV or a pickup truck. Uh, right. Sedans are, are far and few between. Um, let's start out with some of the smaller trucks that we're seeing. It seems that mm -hmm. earlier in the week, Chevy put out some faded shots of their <laughs> new Colorado. And all of a sudden, like 15 minutes later, Ford had some spy shots of their Ranger. Out yeah. Am I correct in that in that kind of back and forth uh, thing? And and, it, and I know you saw both. Anything impress you about either of these trucks? Yeah. Well, so you know, Chevrolet I think um, purposely released obviously the teaser, and it's for the um, 2023 Colorado ZR2, and they're actually going to do a full review of this vehicle on July 28th. So what? 28 days away now. Um, we are you know in July. 
Um, so 27, 28 days away. And um, they are going to do a full review of the Colorado ZR2. And so the Colorado ZR2 already exists in the lineup, but this is going to be next gen um, all new. And, um, you know, in the shot, like you, it really was kind of blurry and fuzzy. And then they had like a 15 second video that they teased and you kind of freeze frame and you look and you're like, okay, see how the headlights are different. You freeze frame on the back and you're like, okay, I see the taillights are different. And so, I mean, you did get a glimpse of, you know, some of the design changes you see the interior is like very much, um, from the like hands on the steering wheel shot. It looks like there's some, some updates in tech that are going to happen. But the thing is, is you look at, um, the new, uh, refreshed Silverado for this year. So they, they released, a refreshed version for 2022 of the big big boy pickup truck right. in the Chevy lineup, and and so you can kind of extrapolate a little bit of what you think is going to happen. And so I envision like bigger screen. You know, it's 2022. Of course, there's going to be a bigger infotainment yeah. screen, but I, I think they'll probably go with the Google powered um, operating system because that's what the new um, Silverado has. So you'll start to see Google Maps and um, Google Assistant, and you can ask Google to tell you a joke. Um, in the truck while you're driving, it's kind of fun. Um, I have, I, oh yeah. Oh, believe me. Every time I get into a vehicle with a Google powered operating system. So Volvo now has it. And then, um, the, the Chevy Silverado, the GMC Hummer and the GMC, um, Sierra, they all have the updated versions all have the, and I'm like, Google, tell me a joke. And they come up with some really, um, lame jokes, but they're hilarious. And, and the GM version, it actually does the, like the, you know, and so it's just, I don't know. It's the little things that amuse me and I could see a really big kick out of it. Like when you're taking a road trip this weekend, um, uh, but no, I, I, I just, I've been having a lot of fun with it, but so I, like, I think we'll see that. And, um, and just so some of the tech and the design that we saw in the refreshed more trucky will, will it, the, the new Colorado be more trucky because you know there's a lot of criticism about the old one it kind of looked like half an SUV half of this half of that I, I don't know that I believe that I like the Colorado I mean I didn't, I didn't it's not the um Tacoma but it's you know but it's it's okay it's not a bad truck it's a it's a decent truck um but it seems like they want to he-man it up a little bit <laughs> um, yeah, no, I definitely think it'll be a lucky, and I think that it's a very purposeful move that they are revealing the ZR2 first, which is going to be the Bronian version of the truck and, you know, the most off-road capable version. And so I, I, I think it'll be more trucky. I think that's the trend we're seeing, you know, with the Nissan Frontier um, just relaunched, um, I think it was for the 2022 model year because we saw it at the Chicago Auto Show last year. Um, and, and so, and that was definitely a much more trucky, beefed up version. It looks, you know, much more aggressive. So I definitely think that's where they're going with the midsize trucks. Um, and we're going to be seeing the Toyota Tacoma coming up soon. And as you alluded to, we saw some spy shots that were released this week of the Ford um, Ranger. And uh, keeping in mind, the Ford Ranger has already been revealed globally. So we've already seen unmasked um, versions of this truck. And they're really not going to change it too much, I don't think. I mean, obviously, they're going to put the steering wheel on the other side of the vehicle because the yeah. pictures we've all seen. It looks like it has maybe, you know, a little bit more. Yeah, well, so the, the spy shots that, they, that we saw this week actually had either an extended cab or a crew cab version with a long pickup bed. And, and that's, and I won't say long, it's more of a standard bed, so like in the six-foot range. Um, and that's that's unique and that's different for the truck. Um, and and it's funny we were having some arguments looking at the spy shot. So you know if if nobody if you're not familiar with the spy shot if you're listening, um, typically what they do is they put this funky black and white camouflage all over the vehicle. So you have a really hard time trying to pick out um, bumps or nuances, fender flares, that kind of stuff. And on this vehicle, it. To me, it looks like it's going to be a crew cab, but the spy photographer called it an extended cab. So a crew cab is four full doors, whereas an extended cab is like a, a front door with kind of like a half short door in the back. Um, but I, I think it looked like a crew cab with a standard bed. And, and if, if so, like that, that's a new configuration for that truck. And that would be very interesting. 
and and with the Maverick in the mix, you know, they've sell, sold all that they can print. Um, uh, it, does that push them a little bit more for the Ranger, or is the Maverick buyer turning out to be something different than somebody that would buy a um, a, a Ranger? You know, I think that the, somebody who's buying uh, the Maverick is different than a person who's buying the Ranger because, I mean, the Ranger still... <laughs> Can, it doesn't compete with a full-size truck. I, I want to be clear there, but it's more truck-like. It does more truck-like things, even though it's more of a lifestyle vehicle. Um, whereas I think what the target was for Maverick, I don't have the data to back it up, but I, I would anticipate this is what's happening is somebody who would have bought a sedan, you know, is now perhaps buying the Maverick, you know, a city dweller, you know, somebody who wants... Um, you know, more of a sedan style vehicle, but likes the functionality of that open bed. I, I think that's who you're seeing that is buying something like a Santa Cruz or a Ford Maverick, right. um, rather than, um, you know, somebody who wants a pickup truck is buying a Maverick. But I mean, also seeing the flip side too, you know, somebody who maybe had a full-size pickup truck, liked a full-size pickup truck, but doesn't need the full-size pickup truck anymore, um, might also opt for this. Um, but it, it's, it's just a very interesting um, dynamic that we're seeing because there are some um, old-school truck guys who are like, that's not a truck, and I would never buy that. But then you're seeing some of the people who are feeling like the nostalgia because when you look at the old full-size trucks, they were more mid-sized back in the yeah. day. Like the full-size yeah, trucks today you. are behemoth. Yeah, it's a truck to me. I mean, you know, I, I, yeah. I look at six trees. I mean, it looks like a looks like a truck. You know, it, it yeah. smells like a truck. You get in it. But I like the you know the fact that it's stripped down a little bit. It doesn't have all of the amenities. It's got a yeah. plastic. I don't even know if it's plastic. It's more like recycled material interior. I mean, there's a lot of cool things about the Maverick that uh, mm -hmm. that I liked. Um, let's talk, continue talking about Ford a little bit. Jill Simonillo, uh, managing editor of Pickup Truck and SUV Talk, is with us here on Drive Time Radio. Um, the lightning is hitting the streets. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's the early uh, the early um, consensus on the lightning? I'm hearing a lot of good stuff here. Well, funny because um i i'm hearing a lot of good stuff too so the media who've driven it um like uh, on the, the we were all very impressed with the vehicle and it's funny because um they brought the lightning to um the midwest automotive media association spring rally so this is a big event we have every year in may it's in wisconsin and there's usually anywhere between 80 and 100 vehicles that manufacturers bring for journalists to come and drive and test. And so um, that vehicle was there. And um, my boss at Pickup Truck Plus SUV Talk, Tim Estradal, was there with me. And we took a drive in the Ford F-150 Lightning. And we did a video. Um, I'll have to send you the link because it's actually kind of funny. It's basically me and Tim arguing back and forth about the viability of this truck. And he's like, truck guys are never going to buy it. And I'm like, why aren't they going to buy it? And he's like, well, it's not really a truck. And I'm like, why isn't it a truck? But like, we're just like going back and forth. He's like, well, I think it's a great truck, but it doesn't do truck things. I'm like, does it tow? And he was like, well, yes, it tows. And I'm like, does it haul things? He's like, yes, it hauls things. I'm like, what truck things is it not going to do? So, I mean, it just, it was, it was kind of a funny video, but I think that the point like he was trying to make is the range anxiety for that vehicle is very real because people who own a truck um, are very likely going to want to tow long distances. So we're not talking about towing in town. And if you tow long distances, <clears throat> you're looking at probably a hundred miles of range in towing. And so that means you have to stop and charge every hundred miles. Well, okay. Are there going to be chargers every hundred miles? If there's a charger every hundred miles, are you going to be able to pull in to the charge? You have to detach your trailer and then pull in to charge. So it just, there's a whole new set of problems that open up when you look at a full-size pickup truck that does truck things and charging long distances. And so that I think was the point that he was trying to make more than, you know, it's not really a truck that, you know, and, and, and so, but, it, but we had a very interesting back and forth um, argument. Yeah. Please send me that link. We'll put it in, uh, in the show notes. Um, 
do you do you see that? And, and this is something I believe is going to happen. But who knows? You're a lot closer to it uh, than I am. Do you see that Ford will install software changes in these vehicles that will eventually give these vehicles more life? Or as you buy it, is what you're going to get? And until you go buy like a twenty twenty eight or twenty nine, that's where you'll get the better range. Well, so I think we're limited now by batteries. And I'll be honest, like I'm just starting to dig into the EV world. And this is just, um, you know, it's still relatively new to me. Um, and I, I, But I think that we are limited by the battery technology that we have right now. Um, so I don't think that's going to be an over-the-air update where it's like, bam, overnight you have more range. What I think is going to happen, and, and Ford is actually kind of leading the way in this, is I think that you're going to have better um, charging infrastructure. And, and so one of the things that Ford is doing is um, in their Ford Pass app, for people who are EV owners, if you go to a charging station and you charge, they really want you to give feedback on that charging station. Was it operable? Was the information that you got on the app accurate? Um, you know, that it was available or not available, you know, did it charge, like, if it's a 150 kilowatt charger, did it charge it at that rate? Or did it charge at something less than that? And so then Ford wants to hold the charging companies accountable and say, hey, by the way, either you fix this charging station, or we're going to remove it from our app. And come and use it anymore. And so I, I think Ford is really trying to make an effort to fix the infrastructure, make the infrastructure usable, better, more reliable, and more accurate. And that, I think, will negate the need for more rich. This And again, this is just totally my opinion. Yeah, I don't they, think they have that to fix the infrastructure. I mean, I mean yeah. there's no doubt. And, and again, you know, I liken it to, a, not that I was here for this, but in the early 20th century, when they were building yep. gas stations, you know, I think yeah. we're at that same point in automotive, right? In, in, in a couple of seconds we have left, let's talk about Rivian. Uh, yep. Would you buy a Lightning or would you buy a Rivian pickup? Uh, so that's a tough one. I haven't driven the Rivian, um, but it looks really cool. And I've, I've, I've managed to climb into the gear tunnel once or twice. Um, but I... I would have to go with Ford right now just because of the reliability. Um, you know, to me, buying a, a, a vehicle that is from a manufacturer that knows how to manufacture vehicles and has supply chain. Um, I mean, we all have supply chain issues right now, but has like the history of the supply chain backing them up. And, um, you know, they just they, they, they have this background and the infrastructure in building vehicles, whereas Rivian is just getting started. Um, I, and, and for me, like not having infinite amounts of money um, and, um, you know, not being like, I'm an early adapter, but I'm like, I can't gamble that kind of money on a vehicle. Like I would right, want I'm paying to $90,000 for a truck. Yeah. I mean, I want to be able to take it down a corner and, and get whatever it needs done and go to the dealership that's right, right down the corner. And so right. for me that I'm, I need, the assurance I need, the, um, you know, I, I, I need that, that lifeline. Um, but I, you know, I think Rivian's a great vehicle. I think they're going to do interesting things. I think they're an interesting disruptor and yeah, I look forward, down the street. Yeah. I look forward to following them. So, yeah. but, um, one more quick question before we let you go. Um, Ram, huh? I mean, are they just sitting back and looking at all of this? Or is there anything? Because I know a lot. I got a lot of Dodge fans, Ram fans that listen to the show and are saying, what the heck is going on with Ram? And we see talk about this, talk about that, but nothing solid coming out yet. No, I mean, there is nothing solid coming out, but we do know. Um, so um, Stellantis, um, which is the parent company for Ram, did a kind of like an EV day about a year ago. I think it's pretty much a year ago, almost yeah. exactly, because I feel like they did it in July of last year. And there were some interesting announcements that came out of that in that they had basically announced that they're moving towards an electrified strategy pretty much across the board. And they did state that they are going to be having an electric pickup truck, um, but they didn't necessarily say when, um, but we have 
assume it's got to be by a 24, 25 model year. Um, and, and right now, uh, if, if you go to ramtrucks.com, I think you can probably find the link there. It's been a while since I've looked at it, but they are basically, they want user feedback. And so they're, they're encouraging people to go to the website and asking them, what do you want in an electric truck? And so right now, I think they're still in the information gathering stage. I think they are looking at Rivian, what Rivian has done. I think they're looking at the success that Ford has had. I think they're going to be eagerly watching what the Silverado EV does, the Chevy Silverado EV. And, um, and then I think they're just going to take user feedback and the feedback and the data that they've managed to gather from the people who've already done it. And then my hope, fingers crossed, is that they will build something even better than what's already out there. Sit back and get it right yeah. as opposed to sit back and experiment. Because let's face it, they probably don't have the same kind of uh, financial wherewithal that, uh, you know, GM or, or Ford, especially Ford. I mean, it, it, those companies are doing good right now. Ram is, uh, and Dodge and Jeep, maybe not so much. So they have to be a little bit, probably a little bit more cautious in, right. in what they do, which way they go. So. It's better that they sit back and they're fiercely loyal owners. I mean, it's amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's really, don't say anything bad about their trucks. They'll chase you. All <laughs> truck owners are very fiercely loyal, by the way. That is what I've discovered. And you will have a very hard time converting a Chevy to a Ram or a Ford to a, you know, Ram oh, or yeah. a Ram. To a, I mean, they are all like, I'm a Ford guy. I'm a Ram guy. I'm a Chevy guy. And that's it. It's your grandfather's truck, man. I mean, uh -huh. he drove, you drove. It, 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 it's fascinating. Jill, it's good to catch up with you. I really appreciate you jumping on with us for a, a few minutes. Um, hopefully, we'll get you back again sooner than, than we have. I know it's been a while, but uh, we'll get rolling again because uh, there's so much happening in the world of trucks mm -hmm. and cars and everything, especially trucks. Congratulations again on your uh, NACTOY judge um, uh, election. It's uh, it, as I said before, they couldn't have got a better person. Uh, and if you want to find out more about Jill, she's got a podcast. Uh, she does a podcast along with everybody else who picked up truck and SUV talk. And I think, uh, what's the other one you're on? It's car. Consumer guide car stuff. Right. With Tom, right? Uh, yep. Yeah. Tom, Appel and Damon Bell. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So she's all over the place. I'm all over the place and we're all over the place. And that's why we hang out in cars, right? Because we're yeah, exactly. all over the place when we have to chill. Have a happy 4th of July. Thank you very much. Yeah. You Thanks stick so. around. We'll be right back with our uh, Saturday morning cartoon. It's a 4th of July weekend edition of Drive Time Radio right here on 1150 KKNW. And since we're running short on time, let's just go ahead and get ready for the cartoon right now. Okay, Vinny? Okie dokie. Let's do that. Uh, the uh, cartoon, as you have it, uh, is from uh, Annie. She is a Nordic artist, uh, which, um, believe you me, I, I never knew that there was a, uh, a website dedicated to uh, Nordic music, but there is. I found it, found the car. Uh, the name of this one is American Cars, and it is from Annie. There you go. There is uh, Annie from Norway. Anne Lilia Berge Strand is her full name, and uh, she uh, she was a, a very popular uh, Norwegian singer many years ago, and had had some hits over there, and. Uh, actually did some movie soundtracks and so on and so forth and uh, decided after 11 years of not putting out any music to uh, put an album out in 2020, I believe this was, and uh, decided to uh, to write a song about uh, American cause, which in Europe is like a status symbol. You, you know, when you drive a, a challenger, especially a, uh, you know, a, a high-performance American car, uh, which uh, uh, there's so many of them that have been sent over there. And it's it's amazing to, uh, you know, to see the uh, the love and the, and, and the status and the, uh, the way that, uh, you know, that American cars, especially as I say, muscle cars and so on and so forth, are, are revered. Over there, I mean, there's clubs. You know, there's not a lot of great places to drive them in the urban areas, but you get out onto the roads and, uh, you know, in the country and so on and so forth. And you can open up a little bit uh, in them, and uh, they're a lot of fun. 
And, uh, you know, if you're a young man driving a 69 Camaro Z28 in Norway, uh, you're probably a pretty popular young man or woman. Either way, you're, uh, you know, the, the car, the muscle car uh, brings you that, uh, that kind of status. And uh, they're expensive and very expensive to maintain over there uh, because you got to do a lot of this stuff yourself. I don't, I don't know if there's a lot of places you know, here you can find a foreign car place on every corner, but foreign cars are popular here. Over there, not so much for American cars, which an American car is a foreign car over there. Right? I got that right, Nathan? American car, foreign car over there. Um, anyway, great uh, cartoon, Saturday morning cartoon uh, for your enjoyment. Nathan, before we go, I know we only got a couple of seconds left here, but I did want to check in with you. And uh, and, and what are you doing this weekend, Nathan? Oh, let's see. Uh, probably going to be going for a drive. I got, you know, since my car is currently in the shop, got a bit of a more American-type vehicle and really, really good to take out on the 4th of July, I must say. Yeah, yeah. You should get yourself a red, white, and blue shirt and um, and, and get out there and hang out with the uh, with the muscle car crowd. And then fireworks and hot dogs. <laughs> That's my man, Nathan. I, I, I appreciate you, Nathan. As they, as they like to say, I appreciate you. Um, all right. Well, that, that'll pretty much put it in the books for another edition of Drive Time. We'll do the road test next week. I wanted to make sure we got the song in. And I wanted to make sure we had a couple of seconds here to, uh, number one, wish my beautiful daughter, who is born on the 4th of July, a very happy birthday. She turns 30. And uh, believe you me, I can't believe it, but she's the light of my life. And um, I couldn't think of a better daughter to have than my my little girl, Erin, who is not, not such a little girl anymore. And, of course, a happy and safe 4th of July to all of you out there. Uh, we always appreciate you uh, listening to the show and to spending time with Nathan and I on a Saturday morning. Thanks so much for that. We will be back next Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, if the Lord's willing, and the creek don't rise right here on Drive Time Radio at 1150 KKNW. Have a safe fourth.